0: No, it's the Creator Spaces Show. Do you consider yourself a creator?
1: Certainly, yes. So I, I create a daily podcast called Pod News, a weekly podcast called Podland, and also a newsletter as well, which goes out every single day, which everybody should get. Uh, it's free at podnews.net.
0: Yeah, uh, I know. That is the singular newsletter everyone in podcasting reads. So cool. pretty much everything you create is about podcasting.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Podcasting or or radio. I'm a radio consultant as well. But I suppose one of the things that I like to do is I like to be in control over what I create. And all of the tech that runs the pod news website is mine as well. So I've written all of that. Oh. And I'm looking at it from a point of view of what can I build that will both save me time and save me effort, but what will do exactly what I want ends up not being a WordPress plugin, but actually ends up being something a little bit more involved. So I end up coding everything myself as well.
0: When did you learn to code and how?
1: Oh, I learned to code at school many years ago. On So over there in the UK where <laughs> I used to live, there was the BBC ended up doing something very f- far-sighted in the the early 1980s of launching its own computer. And the BBC Model B is what a lot of people my age learnt to to a program. And it was a great tool and and really set you up for learning how to
0: code and learning what to do. So have you tried out any of the no-code tools available today?
1: I haven't, no. I think they would drive me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So I've steered well clear of them. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
0: Sticking to the basics. Oh, yes. And sticking to the basics as, at least to my mind, one of the core philosophies of the way you build out your grouping of media properties together because you've got pod news which is very much it is the daily podcasting news what has happened and then when i look at the podcast versus the newsletter the podcast is pretty much you like running down the headlines of the newsletter and so it's that really easy flow of repurposing and then how does podland tie in
1: so well i suppose i've got pod news pod jobs and pod events and then podland is a weekly podcast that i do with a friend of mine called sam who lives in the uk i live in australia these days and it's essentially a- excuse for me to actually have an opinion because I don't really have too much of an opinion in the pod news newsletter because it's not that long. Yeah. And it's news. And so it's actually nice being able to interview people, being able to have a chat about what's been going on and focus on that as well. So that's been great fun doing.
0: Excellent. Is there any like one opinion piece that stood out to you that you've created in the past year or two around podcasting that you think is still either your best or most important work?
1: Oh, I don't know about that. And I know what gets a lot of clicks and a lot of views is there's a long article around how to understand statistics in podcasting, what stats are available, where you'd find those stats, what they actually show you. And that's a pretty good, regularly updated article, which is uh, done. I mean, it's made to be as factual as possible. So there's a little bit of opinion towards the end in terms of podcast stats versus radio, but apart from that, it's about as as far as it goes. So that does really well. I think some of the things that I've been doing recently, just really holding the industry to account, things that I'm most proud of, whether it's large podcasters, either by accident or on purpose, massaging the figures that they had for their podcasts, which uncovered around three years or so ago, or whether it's the leader in this space just messing things up and not telling anybody which i documented last week and interestingly it looks as if that pushed to release some form of a statement and some form of apology i think that's the sort of thing that i'm pleased that pod news can do and i don't want to be the sort of publication that sits there copy and pastes press releases and has no view around keeping people honest and keeping people working on what's best for the industry I would rather focus a little bit more on taking the industry forward and if that means taking holding some people to account then i'm quite happy doing that i'm in a really lucky situation i think where i don't have to worry about a particular advertiser or a particular viewpoint i don't frankly care whether large companies send me on press junkets and so therefore i can i can write the stories that matter really which is a nice place to be
0: How do you go about building your audience now?
1: Yeah, in terms of growing audiences, after a while, you get to a point where there is a certain amount of momentum behind you. It's much easier to steer a tiny little speedboat than it is to steer an oil tanker. So there is a a bit of that in mind. But I spend a long time in things like Facebook groups and subreddits and Twitter, helping podcasters out, helping them know that, that the tools that I've built exist, and hopefully adding value. And While I add value, of course, I'm talking about what I do as well. I think helping people out is one of the best ways of doing things. Ariel is listening to us at the moment from Squadcast, and Squadcast do exactly that. They are helping people with all kinds of things, and it just so happens that they have a great tool for remote recording as well. That's certainly a tried and tested route to getting in front of the audience that you want to be in front of, and actually being a trusted and appreciated part of that it.
0: And has that thought process changed at all over time? Because I know you've had a moment to be around within the podcasting industry now.
1: Yeah, so I've been involved in podcasting since very late 2004. But when I started Pod News in 2017, was actually a little bit taken aback by the industry because it's a very friendly industry. It's a very collaborative industry. Everybody wants everybody else to succeed. And that's a wonderful thing. So I think from that point of view, it's always been that sort of industry where you can grow audience is by just being helpful. The wake-up call I think to me was going to podcast movement in 2018 which was in Philadelphia realising frankly that I'm the other side of the world. I've not talked to people face to face. I had a good number of thousand people getting my newsletter but I wasn't that sure how many people were aware of it and I invested in a branded shirt and just the amount of people who would stop me in the corridor and say oh pod news I read that every single day was a real wake-up for something that I didn't realize was as well read as it is. So that was certainly a really nice sort of awakening,
0: I guess. How do you go about monetizing now?
1: So monetizing is sort of three different areas. There is sponsorship for the newsletter and indeed for the podcast if you want that too. So that's a long-term, you'll buy a month at a time, you can get any message that you want over, and it's a good, strong way of advertising a brand. So Podpage, for example, is our current title sponsor as of yesterday. So that's a good and very healthy part of it, and that's around a third of the income. The next third is people who are supporting me and my work through Patreon. So you see a large amount of logos and things at the bottom of every newsletter. Those some of the companies doing that, and there are some individual people as well who are supporting me, who I really must work out how to thank more often. And so, just the wealth of people there is really useful and helpful to me because it does, as I was saying earlier, really help the independence of the thing. And then, probably another third is the classified uh, section, which you said that you've used. It was interesting, actually, building that tool because I've run other newsletters in the past. Classified sections have never really worked for some of those other newsletters because they've been a bit too small and a bit too niche. So I thought to myself, I owe it to myself to write the code for the classifieds. I owe it to myself to at least spend a bit of time doing that just to prove that it won't work for this Mm -hmm. newsletter as well. But I set myself a goal of a day to write the code for the classifieds system, which meant writing the code for user accounts, credit card payments, writing the code for actually how you would charge and how you would book all of these things. So I got most of it done in the day. But what was strange is having written it, of course, the benefit in the time zone that I'm in is that I then went to bed just when you guys in the US wake up. So that was good fun. Ending up, waking up the next morning to discover that not only had someone used it, but somebody had booked $500 on it. And I suddenly thought, oh, wow. I need to make it look better. So I think very much a lot of people talk about MVPs, about a minimum viable product. And I think that was a great experience in that because that really showed me that get something out there, iterate with it is a really good plan rather than waiting three months, going through internal testing and everything else. And there's lots that's wrong with it. And I need to rewrite the user registration in the next month or so. But that was a great experience,
0: I think. Love that. And I will say you have one of the easiest classified experiences of all newsletters I've worked with.
1: Well, great. I'm glad that it's worked. I was quite pleased with the pricing model, which goes up the more classified ads there are, because I wanted to make it cheap for anybody to use it, but also I I didn't want there to be more than four or five ads a day, and so the pricing model, I was quite proud of just basically thinking up on the spare of the moment and going, we'll try that and see if that works. So I'm glad that it's worked for you.
0: What's your North Star metric for success? How do you know you're on the right track?
1: Oh, I think that's um, the amount of subscriptions which are growing and the amount of unsubscribes which I get. So I've plugged that into a Slack alert. So I get a alert every time somebody subscribes and I can see what company they're from and where they are. And I also have a knock-knock alert of when somebody unsubscribes and the unsubscribes kill me every time. <laughs> but thankfully I, I have enough new subscribes which is keeping that going and obviously the statistics are mine are all completely anonymized now so I don't it and I don't know what stories individual people click on I still know overall open rates i still know overall click rates and so i can actually sit there and work out okay what stories are people finding interesting but also what's the open rate of the newsletter and if that is doing well and doing above the industry average then that's the success that i'm looking for obviously being a profitable company helps as well but in terms of the creative success it's most certainly around that sort of thing
0: What's your current goal as a creator?
1: Yeah, my current goal, you always look at the number of subscribers and you want that to hit a round number. So at the moment, I'm on something like 19,200. I would dearly love to make that 20,000. So that's my next sort of very short-term goal. So from that point of view, that's obviously the next sort of step. To be honest, my main thing that I used to really enjoy doing that I'm hoping to enjoy again is to take part in more conferences and to go meet more people because I find that being a tremendously enriching thing. It's wonderful talking to people face-to-face. It's wonderful being able to stand up and help predominantly Americans, normally in America, to talk about the other 180 countries which are out there, having worked in Canada, having worked here in Australia, in the UK, and for European companies as well. Being able to actually talk about the benefit of everything else out there, which is knowledge that I have that few other people do in the podcasting world. The next goal that I have in terms of that is, firstly, I'm running a podcast conference next Monday. We're doing eight hours of it in Sydney, so it'll be my first interstate flight for nine months so i'm massively looking forward to that it's called podcast day 24 and it's an in-person event in sydney very much looking forward to jumping on a plane and hopefully taking part at podcast movement evolutions in march of next year and it would be great to meet with many of the people who i haven't met with and to say hello to old friends as well
0: If you could send a tweet back to your start, what and when would it be? I think
1: I would probably do a couple of things. When I was working for a radio station and I was a radio presenter for a couple of years, I worked in the creative department for radio station, basically writing radio ads. I think then I would tweet that person and I'd say, don't be so damn (laughs) self-important. Because uh, I think that there's a certain amount of time when you need desperately to believe in yourself. And when you're believing in yourself, then you start being a little... bit too arrogant and i think that's a regret but in terms of starting pod news four years ago now i think i would probably tell myself patience is a good thing and make sure that you focus on the things that matter